Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I'm your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. Today, we have a fantastic conversation for you as we welcome Felix Torralba to the show. Felix is the current Chief Revenue Officer at RCD Mallorca, a top-tier club from the first division in Spain. To me, this is a unique club with a very promising business outlook for several reasons. One, they have a very loyal fan base and a legacy as a football club. They have a powerful set of club assets and a brand that is recognized at a global scale. Their geographic location is pretty much unmatched. Mallorca is a tourist destination. It has good weather. The people there have high purchasing power. I mean, from a macro perspective, it has all the benefits. And last but not least, they are backed by American investors that have experience running the Phoenix Suns of the NBA. And Mallorca is also receiving great support from La Liga to expand internationally. During the conversation, we cover three main topics the fan experience, and the different ways they generate revenue from fan engagement. At the end of the day, the growth of the football property depends on delivering a great fan experience wherever they are. Felix explains what he believes makes for a great fan experience. Second topic is growing the brand internationally, both from the fan and the commercial angle. Finally, we talk about their partnership and sponsorship model. I personally enjoyed this masterclass from Felix. If you ever wondered what it's like to drive the business growth of a club, this is an episode you do not want to miss. Before going into it though, you probably are planning your 2023 strategy, right? If you haven't done so already. Well, make sure you mark your calendars as we have already opened our pre-register forms for Football Innovation Forum in Istanbul on June 9th. Yes, you're right. That's the day before the city hosts the UEFA Champions League final. And you can also pre-register for WFS Europe in Sevilla on September 20th and 21st. The biggest football industry event is already in the horizon. So, you want to join the leaders that will shape the future of football? This is your opportunity. Head over to www.worldfootballsummit.com. Again, that's www.worldfootballsummit.com and submit your request. And with that, enjoy this episode with Felix Torralba from RCD Mallorca. Well, Felix, thank you so much for making the time to join us in the World Football Summit podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure really to have you here and, and really learn about, uh, well, about you and about what Mallorca is doing, uh, which I think is a great use case and business case for the industry. So. Uh, before going into a lot of the topics that we want to cover today, and I think uh, it's going to be a very fun conversation, um, I don't know if you can share a little bit about your background, how did you end up at Mallorca, um, just to introduce yourself to the audience. Absolutely. No, the pleasure is all mine, so thank you for, for having me, and I'm looking forward to it. As you mentioned, I joined Mallorca. I'm, I'm quite the, the last one to, to join. I joined one year ago. Um, my background comes from other sports industries. I, I started working for sports at a very young age. Uh, when I was 18, started with tennis. Um, did quite a career in officiating and, and on the pitch, let's say, and on the court. And traveling around the world and, and, and getting to, to experience a lot of events, no? live events and, and so on, and, and getting a lot of experience there. Um, and then at some point, I just wanted to also see what was behind the court and and 
did my master's in, in sports administration with with the goal to move on to other other areas of the business and and I ended up uh, joining a sports event agency in with a tournament in Mallorca so I, I got engaged for as, as the managing director of a company Emotion Sports uh, to run an ATP tournament firstly a WTA tennis then ATP we we acquire the license and and then even with a PGA European Tour go, uh, event. So that's how I got to Mallorca after quite a long ride on, in, in the world of sports. And uh, after five years working with tennis and golf on the island, uh, the opportunity came uh, to join to join RCD Mallorca. And and that was a, one of those strains you, you got to, you know, take. It's a fantastic project. I think it's probably when you take Spanish Liga is probably one of the most attractive sports competitions worldwide. And, and I think Mallorca could be in the top five of most attractive entities to work with, be it for the destination, be it for the moment of the club, for the growth potential. Um, so, so it was an easy decision for me. Definitely. I was just about to say that. Uh, Mallorca, probably if you mix in the, pers the personal uh, side of it, the location, the weather, and also, I mean, what you were saying, I think you joined at a point where from a business perspective, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it, it's at a very interesting um, moment, which we will talk Absolutely. about later on. No, So I do want to understand. So you join as Chief Revenue Officer for Mallorca. Um, I want to understand what does a CRO do at a club? Uh, I don't know if you can divide your role into, let's say, buckets. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it was a new created role when I joined. I think it makes a lot of sense for sports organizations to have a, a CRO role. And um, basically what you do is you coordinate and, and manage the different areas and departments of a club that generate uh, revenues. Uh, basically when they're talking about ticketing and hospitality, commercial and sponsorships, marketing. So all those areas, communication is a very, very close collaboration because also it's a revenue source. So. Basically, what you do is you coordinate those. You make those more efficient. You make sure that the sales team and the hospitality team work together with the communication team, uh, supports all the efforts to maximize uh, revenues and obviously generating those strategies in order to maximize the potential of, of growth that a, that a club has. So I would say if, if, I, if I would have to say percentage-wise, tough to say, probably sponsorships uh, would be number one in terms of revenue generation and commercial activity. So um, that would be probably about 40% of, of the dedication and then very similar, you know, ticketing and hospitality is a huge revenue source as well. And more for a club like Mallorca, which, which we make a lot of uh, efforts in, in generating experiences and, 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 and hospitality opportunities there. Due to where we are, obviously, we have, we have a very interesting destination for that. And then obviously marketing, digitalization of the club, new business developments, that's very important. So basically, whatever we do and, 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 and in this strategy where we are, you know, we are now ongoing a, a stadium refurbishment project. Um, we need to look at that before it's built in order to make it appropriate to maximize revenues, to maximize experiences, to maximize potential. So. So that's a little bit what I do. That's great. And uh, well, to pretty much cover the entire spectrum of the, of the, of the business of generating, you know, the, the growth of the business, which is 
so interesting. And uh, I guess uh, it's difficult for me to where to start up. But I think in football, everything in terms of business usually starts with the fan experience. No? That's kind of like the fuel of everything else. So I guess we can start with that. And I don't know if you can identify what, when we speak about fan experience, what are your strategic areas or what are the, what are the priorities um, to make you know, the best possible fan experience uh, within the stadium or maybe outside, wherever you want to take it. That's a, that's a great one to start with. Fan experience is obviously something that is, you know, we all have it on our table every day in, in the sports industry. Um, I think there is, there is a lot of concepts that belong to the fan experience world, right? Um, what I think is that, you know, fans... There are so many different types of fans and, and you have people that come to the stadium every single match. You have people that just watch you and follow you from the distance. You have people that are very interested in merchandising, but maybe not on season ticket holders. So basically what it, in my mind, what, what fan experience has, has to cover, it has to serve a purpose. It has to, whatever you do in terms of fan experience uh, initiatives, you need to do it with a purpose. You need to do it goal oriented in the meaning of, it must bring something to the fan, whichever fan that is. We have said there's many fans, so be it the one from the distance, be it the one that comes every day to your stadium and that knows more about the history of the club that you ever will know. Um, you have to give him something of value with a purpose, and it has to be, I think, flawless, immersive. So basically what you have to do is you have to accompany him through his journey with the club and make sure that throughout that journey, he gets those touch points that make his relationship with the club easier. So I think if, if, if you start with those pillars, um, the steps that you that you undergo are going to be very productive. And actually, thinking about what you just said, all the touch points, those can be either physical, like within the stadium, or they can also be digital, right? So at the end of the day, the... Uh, challenge is how to combine both worlds to create the best fan experience. So any examples or or any frameworks that you use to to do that? Yeah, I think at the end experiences, you know, the best are when they're live. You know, that is what you can give that is completely different and unique. Um, so obviously starting from that live experience, the digital world has now given us a lot of tools to understand our fan to read, to learn from him. What does he want? What does he consume? What does he expect from us? What is he missing? Um, how can I adapt what I serve him, be it the match day experience, be it how am I watching the match on TV? How am I getting access to behind the scenes content, to more interviews, to more de detailed uh, information about players, about our institution and our organization, our project. So, at the end, physical and digital combine a lot. I think the digital is probably not making it 100% like that. But if I, if I had to refer it, I would say it's the perfect tools that we have been provided to learn and understand how we can deliver better experiences. You mentioned before, no, you were in a, there's a project to kind of revamp the stadium and, you know, it's been all over the news. And how do you factor that? into creating a better fan experience? How is that included into that project? Well, I think it's included from the start. 
from the scratch. So basically, and, and our president and our CEO have, have, have been very clear about it, the whole stadium refurbishment is for the fans. Um, we were one of the few stadiums that had a running track around the, the pitch. Um, and that was obviously the first thing that the crowds and, and the fans were demanding to get rid of. Uh, we wanted to be closer to, to the players. Even the players said, you know, we need the crowds. We need those extra points, extra effort. So I think started from a fan uh, perspective. And from then on, we built everything around it. So I think every single aspect that we, we work on in the stadium refurbishment project, which in our case is four phases that we're working on, um, is like if we would put a glasses on, which say, this is my fan vision and all the areas that I'm adapting and regenerating, how do they look from a fan perspective? And, and I think we're being quite uh, ambitious, quite, quite uh, strong on, on, on delivering those. But I think everything that, that we are approaching is really from a fan perspective. Well, how can we do better use of every single square meter we have, you know, in football, Stadiums are big, big spaces with a lot of, you know, infrastructure inside and outside. So how can we make our fans enjoy better the time that they decide to spend with us? Yeah, true. And and it's interesting what you mentioned, no, kind of that relationship between how the fans want to get closer to the players, but the players also want to be closer to the fans to feed off that energy, you know? So um, it's very interesting. And to me, uh, when you look into the American sports industry in general, not just football, no, you see that they're pioneers and, and they're really an example. And in your case, one of the things that makes interesting the project that we were mentioning before from a business perspective is that you're backed by American investors. No? So I'm curious to see or to know what have you learned from their experience there that you can apply to the fun experience here? Well, I, I fully agree with you. I think there are a few steps ahead of us and, and they were pioneers and, and really going into the experiences. No? Um, in our case, as you mentioned, we have a, an American ownership um, with an extensive sporting background. So they come from the world of sports. They own as well an NBA franchise as, as the Phoenix Suns, which is you know, a, a team we are, we are partners with. And, and that gave us an incredible uh, competitive advantage because we have the ability to be in touch, to ask questions, to learn from what they have already implemented. And then obviously whatever you do, you need to adapt it. It's not like we want to bring an NBA game experience to the to La Liga. It's more about, hey, they have gone through so many things. Phoenix went through a stadium refurbishment project in I think it was a few years ago, five, six yeah. years ago, with with a new footprint center. So basically they have had all that experience that we're trying to implement now and they have done probably a lot of great decisions and, and seeing the results, I would say not 100, but probably around 100% of them very successful, but they've also probably learned from the mistakes. So we are we have that advantage that we can learn from them and it challenges us. It challenges us to think, you know, and, and to see how we can bring those things that we see make a huge value to the fan adapted into La Liga. You know, and, and, and it's a great opportunity that Mallorca has and that Mallorca brings and, and is one of those attractive uh, um, elements when, when we were speaking earlier you know, that Mallorca provides that no, nobody else can in that, in that area. I think 
the question that comes to mind after what you just said, which I fully agree, no? A Phoenix is a great example to learn from, definitely. Um, the Phoenix Suns, um, they're, they're an organization that is brilliantly run. Anyway, um, what does Mallorca teach them? Is there anything? <laughs> That's a great question for the Phoenix Suns, I guess. Uh, no, I think I fully agree. They have incredible professionals. Uh, I have the been very lucky to be in touch with with their CRO and you know and get a lot of of hints, advices, and, mm -hmm. and support. I don't know if, if if they can learn things from us, but I think there are definitely things that when we speak, there are differences. There are differences in 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 the fan expectations. The differences in how the fan uh, decide puts the focus during the the game. So sometimes we have had some people from the Suns coming over and saying, man, these people do not stop cheering and, and supporting the team throughout the whole match. While, you know, when, when they're in our arenas, some hardcore fans, of course, but some others are there more with the experience. They go out, they go to the bar, they come back. You know, when, when we think about F&B, for example, which is a great ex experience on how you have to adapt that to your fans and, and make it easy, accessible, and, and, and help them have a great journey to get food and beverage, um, well, it's different for us. The food and beverage, once the match has started, is 15 minutes after the break. <laughs> Nobody would leave the seat and, and, and go to the bar or go to the toilet. So the toilets have also been, have to be accessible and, and, and cover everyone. So um, I think those are different types of, of, of fans, different expectations from the fans, different habits from the fans. So I don't know if we, if we teach Phoenix Suns anything, but definitely we, we, we speak a lot about how fans perceive, how fans expect what we can, you know, we, sh we share a lot in, in that meaning and in, in that sense. And, and again, learning, I don't know, but definitely they, they see also a lot of tradition in, in, in European football and especially in La Liga. So the way we engage with audiences. So I think that there's definitely a, a good value for both of us in that relationship. I agree. I think, yeah, maybe learn is not the, the word but it does open their eyes to new types of fans and to new realities no and, and how and, and i think i guess the key is how do you adapt to each fan that you have in different places no and and obviously the the profile of the fan here is different there's maybe more passion uh and the game is different it's not more about the entertainment it's more about the competition um, so you know anyway Moving into the next section uh, obviously yeah it's great to have a fantastic fan engagement strategy in place but at the end of the day, uh, revenues is is what you know decides everything. No, so <laughs> I I just want to understand how, in your sense, how do you monetize from that? Uh, you know those fan experience initiatives, or um, is there anything? Is it hospitality? Is it ticketing? You know, so so what are the levers that you pull, and 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 you know, how do you, how do you tackle that? I think I think you're right. Now, obviously, at the end, uh, the growth of a club is driven by revenue um, that helps you spend more in the sports and the business and, and generating a better infrastructure and so on. But I think we would go back to some to some of the things that we have already discussed. Um, I think the growth and those revenue generation sources need to be gradually and sustainable. So it's not about, you know, taking the fan as soon as he comes to the stadium and give him 15 boxes to consume. No, I think it's about making his experience better. And for that, um, you got to understand him. 
So we need to really focus on, on, on knowing our fan and doing a great profiling of whom we are speaking to and, and also make sure that we speak the same language than he wants us to speak um, in a theoretical way, right? Like, um, basically, what I'm meaning is we need to implement those monetization opportunities around an experience that adds value and that has that purpose that we were mentioning before to the fan. So making sure, hey, a guy is willing to show up in the store and and and, and wants to maximize his, his match day because he's not a guy that comes every match in the season, but he wants to have a great experience. And why not take something with him home and, and share it because he had a great experience during the match. So make sure that you make it easy for him to access the store or that you have different touch points where he can get in touch with the store and with the purchasing of merchandising or, or official kits, but in a way that it brings value to him. If you just, you know, overdo, I think that would be the, the worst thing. Um, and then again, make things easy, make things adapted to where the people are going to move. If you understand the movements within a stadium, the people that you're welcoming on a stadium, you know, what is our match day attendee? Is it a season ticket holder is 70%? Which are these other 30%? What are they looking for? Do we have a visitor? Do we have someone that is a football lover? Or is it someone that just comes for the experience because he's spending a week in Mallorca? So the more we know, the better we can implement those monetization opportunities. One of the things I uh, found out while doing research for our conversation, you were pioneer in launching a hospitality initiative, which is also another monetization strategy, no? And in fact, you actually launched this, correct me if I'm wrong, when the club was even in, in you know, in the, in the, well, for the audience to understand, it's the third division, let's say, of, of the Spanish uh, professional system, football system, no? Um, so what have you learned and, and what can others learn from this initiative? Because to me, that stands out. You don't need maybe to have, you know, a super, um, or, or be in a top tier league to have a, a successful initiative around hospitality, no? No, exactly. And then, and, and yes, it was, I think, more than six years ago. And it, it, it was pretty much when the new ownership took over, right? That they started to bring in their, their stamp into the, the organization, no? Where they say, hey, let's, let's do the most of what, out of what we have. Um, I think that that's a bit of our NDA. Um, I think we are a, a bunch of young, dynamic people, not afraid to fail, and 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 always looking for innovation. Innovation also throughout the experiences that that you provide. Um, as you mentioned, we have we have some elements. We have kind of a beach lounge, outdoors pitch side. So out of a weakness, which is we had a running track, we said, okay, how we can we maximize the potential of that space and generated um, what we call today the footprint corner, which is a beautiful terrace with live food with pre-match and post-match you have access to press conference we have our players coming there after the matches so there is a meet and greet experience included you're sitting pretty much next to the benches a few meters away from them so just generating a complete new uh, experience out of uh, of what was a weakness we have generated an experience that is extraordinary because it's different to what you usually get and i think that is important we we need to innovate we need to find out hey our destination allows us to find those spots for people that want to have experiences. That's why 15 million travelers come to Mallorca every year, right? To have a great experience, to enjoy the good weather. We have an outdoor space there that goes very much in line with what our destination, our brand, 
and our club stands for. Um, we generated the walkout uh, box, you know, where you're in a glass box, seeing the players coming out of the of the um, of the um, changing rooms when they walk out and how they meet in there before coming out and they're speaking to each other. So those are things. Those are behind the scenes contents, right? Those are things that the people want to see, uh, and I think that shows a little bit this U.S. mentality or this U.S. fan experience where you want to give them behind the scenes. You want to make them be part of something. And obviously always taking into consideration where we are, what we stand for, an island like Mallorca and the opportunities that come with that. Yeah, the, the way I was thinking about that is it's kind of like a framework with three circles. No, you're obviously starting with one circle with what the fan wants, but then you're also looking into the environment. So in, in your case, you know, the geographic location and, and everything else, which obviously plays a good role in that. And then also the, the assets that you as a club have. And if you are able to mix that together, you have a fantastic program. So, so yeah. Um, and I would add one thing to that. And, and I think you mentioned that in your question. No, um, we were in third division at that time. So the team came down from, from division two. Um, again, you have, you have an infrastructure, you have a match day experience, you have a non-match day experience. So, Basically, you shouldn't be, and, and we have a, a structure within the organization where we have the business side and the sporting side, and obviously you depend a lot on the sporting results, the same as they depend on the on the growth and then the revenues that we can facilitate for them to make the better choices. Um, but at the end, our days cannot depend on a, on a weekend result, right? So you are in a second division or you are in a third division as we were. Well, that was also a... a an incredible source of opportunity because we were out of some commitments or some regulations um, that allowed us to think out of the box. And again, um, I think it's it's about what you have, where you are, as you mentioned, knowing as much as possible about the people around you, the ones that already consume you highly, which is a season ticket holder, those that have a, you know, a nice flair and a nice uh, relationship with the club, by they might not call themselves hardcore fans, but they have, you know, they love the destination or they have had experiences here, or they have players that have played here and they really were keen for or whatever that is, those people you gotta understand, you gotta learn and try to provide them with different opportunities. I think well, what I'm thinking about now is yeah, this is great for local fans, no? But the reality is you're a global brand and you've made certain moves on the pitch and off the pitch that have propelled your brand internationally. But how are you driving revenue from international fans? Because that's a completely different challenge. Absolutely. I think, again, the, the more we know about them, the better. Um, I think there is there is many things. The, um, we have, obviously, we are, and I consider Mallorca to be one of the most international clubs in, in, in La Liga. Um, La Liga itself gives us a lot of opportunities to be seen everywhere in the world, to get in touch with those fans. La Liga has international offices where we work with uh, on a continuous basis. So um, obviously you focus on certain strategic markets, but you try to implement and to adapt the revenue sources to those fans. Again, it's, we're not talking about the same exact path. We have a, you know, a match day experience and, and, and a and a local fan base, uh, which we speak one language with, but we got to have another language and another path for those people that want to be part of Mallorca. It's, it's all family, right? Those that sit here and those that sit in Beijing or in Boston and 
and still want to be, you know, uh, attached to, to the club, we have to give them the right tools to be, to feel they belong to that. And, and I think football has this sense of belonging um, that is unique, that gives us an advantage towards any other sports in the world. And I come from tennis, golf, you know, and, but football has that sense of belonging that we need to take advantage of because it's a, it's a gift for teams and for organizations. So what do we try? We try to make it easy for them. Same as we were speaking before, that when you have those fans that come to the stadium, that you want to you know, make the best journey possible. Those guys that want to interact with you, be it through communications. We, for example, have a, a match day show uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. We cannot show the, the match, obviously, but we have a multicam production for our uh, show that we communicate. We make it in four languages. We stream it in English, in Japanese, in Korean, in Spanish. So we try to make the fans be part of it by speaking their language. When we have e-commerce, for example, which is obviously one of the, the biggest revenue sources when you talk about people that live outside the island, um, where we try to implement those digital assets and tools that help them feel comfortable in your e-commerce. So be it payment methodology, be it who's going to bring the packages to them, or how can they speak if there is any trouble with whatever uh, service that they have engaged with. So we need to make sure that, again, we have clear path and we speak the same language and, and provide them the tools to feel safe in that environment and to feel attached. Uh, fantastic, because this actually ties well with a question I wanted to ask later. No, And obviously, fully agree, uh, football has that passion element that, that you know, not other, no, no other sports has. And to kind of have people feeling, you know, part of the community of fans, you know, even regardless of where they live in the world, you need digital channels, no? And, and you mentioned a lot of the, you know, initiatives that you have. So the streaming, the e-commerce, but what are the challenges that you face? Um, I don't know if you can highlight one, two, three challenges that you face when trying to engage those fans. There are many, because I think there are, there are many challenges because there are many different uh, points of the world that are completely different to each other in the habits and the way they interact. You know, we have uh, commercial relationships with U.S. brands and with Japanese brands. Our main global partner is Japanese, for example. Um, the markets are different. The way they expect you to interact are different. The tools that help you on one end might not help you on the other one. And so basically there is a lot of tools, a lot of opportunities. So the challenge is to make the smart choices today thinking about the results tomorrow. Um, so making sure you don't want to cover 100% of the potential in one day, but you got to grow in all the directions that you are putting the focus on. And I think there the strategic planning is, is incredibly important. Make sure you define which are your strategic markets initially. Make sure you grow towards them because that experience is going to help you to then you know, add new and markets, new opportunities, take those tools and see what has worked, what not. Is that same tool the one that is going to help you succeed in a different market? So there is a lot of challenges in, in, in digital. There is thousands and thousands of solutions coming up and, and being presented to us. And at the end, you know, you cannot cover all of them. So you may got to really think if you know where you're going, if that strategy sits and you know whom you're speaking to, make the smart choices grow in that direction and that grow growth can be then expanded and replicated 
Fantastic. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, in terms of strategic markets, I'm not sure if if you can share uh, where your strategic markets, you know, are. I don't know if it's Asia, North America. And I guess the follow up question to that is how how does the commercial approach differ? You know, very briefly in one two point mm -hmm. between those different markets, so that the industry can kind of get a new a few tips on that. No, absolutely. I think right now, if, if, if we have to say where we, where our strategic markets, the ones that we're dealing with right now, obviously we are working on, on adding markets and, and on adding new communities and, 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 and targeting new uh, markets within the close and near and, and, and mid future. But right now our focus would definitely be, as, as you mentioned, oh, Asia with Japan and, and Korea at the upfront. North America and then the, the German-speaking ACH or, or Central Europe because of their relationship they have with the destination. No, they are, they're very close to us. They are people that feel Mallorca, that have a love and a passion for the island and where we have an advantage, you know, getting them on board with, with the RCD Mallorca family. And, and when you mention differences, I think there's, there's clear examples and, and big, big differences. I think the, the North American market is is very far ahead in terms of sports business knowledge understanding how sports industry and how sponsorships they know exactly what they're looking for they they are quick they're innovative they have a lot of new developments and then you have markets like japan where we have incredibly great experiences and until now but they need to trust you and they need you to be present they need you to have experiences or relationships strong relationships already built with japanese companies so they expect you to sh prove yourself as a great partner in order to generate liaison and to generate business opportunities together so i think the pace the matureness of of, of the sports industry in, in each market is different and i think it's it's important to be on the grounds it's important to be there to have your feet there and to work on avoid one shots and really work on the markets in a in a presential uh, way. Great. Um, yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. Thank you for that because that's that's a great point. You know how how you can adapt to each different uh, geography. You know, it, it's just different values and how can you adapt your brand to those values? No. Um, I also want to talk about commercial opportunities, but before we we jump into that, um, just one question around. I don't know if. There's any trends that you're looking into in terms of fan experience, or is there any sports properties, not maybe football, just in sports in general that you learn from or that you use as a benchmark um, for for your own, you know, uh, role? Well, I think we have we have two great examples and people that we try to to look up to, which is the one is Phoenix Suns and the NBA, as we mentioned before. And the other one is La Liga. La Liga is a brand. La Liga is an organization. I think La Liga is is incredibly strong in in, in growth and looking at the next hundred years, the next fans, the next opportunities, and millennials and Gen Z. Says, I think La Liga is doing a great, great job and is supporting us and is giving us tools and 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 uh, know how to really engage with those new audiences, to understand new digital opportunities. So those are great, great key assets uh, that we have. 
And then obviously trends. No, we, we talk about NFTs, we talk about metaverse, we talk about so many ways. Um, gaming is a huge thing. And I think we all need to have an eye in, 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 in how we grow in giving space for those uh, new trends or new ways of, of consuming sports, of being part of the sports world. They need to have space within the organization. I think on on one hand, what you mentioned about La Liga um, is totally correct. And I think one of what I like about La Liga personally is it involves the clubs in the long term strategy as well. Right. So I think, you know, that's that's very interesting. Um, they have a lot of initiatives together because they understand that at the end of the day, it's a, a, a relationship that needs to go both ways. No. And then in terms of trends, obviously, I think Web3 is kind of like, you know, everybody's, especially with the, the end of the year that we've had, everybody's looking into that space. Mm -hmm. um, but, but anyway, I want to jump into the next section of the conversation. Obviously, having fans and having a great fan experience is going to drive revenues from their side, but it's also going to attract commercial opportunities, no? Where, whether it's sponsorship, uh, partnerships, call it whatever you want. No? So how does Mallorca target sponsors um using the fan as a base i think i think that's a greater question and uh, we could probably i could take 30 minutes for that reply alone so so please <laughs> stop. We'll, we'll welcome you back to the podcast <laughs> to explain <laughs> no but i think making it simple i think is where is your potential so where is rcd mallorca's potential what can mallorca bring to the table to you that other sports properties cannot. I think that's the starting point. You know? What makes you different? What, give, what is your value? Because when you approach a commercial opportunity, I think it's very important to understand what are you bringing on the table? It's not, hey, I'm bringing a proposal. I'm knocking on the door. Come and visit me. It's like, I have something that we both together can generate a lot of value with. Um, and for that, we have to go a bit further back and saying, okay, where am I now as an organization? What is the right fit for me? What do I feel is bringing value to the club? With whom do I want to grow? And once you make that internal study and decide, okay, where are we? How can we grow? What are elements that can help us reach the next level? You're focusing on probably on industries. You're focusing on, on brands. You're focusing on people that have similar values uh, core uh, definitions, no, what they stand for. So people you really can walk hand in hand with. And then you go and, and, and speak to those brands and, and those industries because you already share something. And now how can you bring the value? And I think we as Mallorca can provide the unique opportunities. We are probably the trending destination. I think uh, TripAdvisor mentioned or voted Mallorca is a training destination worldwide in the year, um, which makes sense. Uh, it's an incredible island. Uh, so we have an incredible potential because we have so many decision makers. I say always that Mallorca is a B2B heaven. So, yeah. so many people might not work here, but have a house here or come frequently or come here with their friends and with business partners. So Mallorca is a, is a, is a great destination to explore. So. That is something that, as we mentioned before, we put in the mix, no? What makes us different? And once you decide what makes you different, whom do you want to target that helps you grow? 
and that you feel comfortable walking with. Now, putting that value proposition is already a few steps ahead and, and is easier to do. And then you can really provide opportunities and international approach. So things that really make for us in Mallorca um, is, uh, is the origin for, for great opportunities that we're looking at. Again, it goes back to what we were mentioning before of, you know, understanding the fan, the environment that you have, so the, the geographic location and, and the assets that you as a club have. No? And, and what you were mentioning there with La Liga, uh, it makes, uh, I mean, it, it makes me think of a panel where actually Jorge La Vega from La Liga was speaking about partnerships and he was speaking about two concepts that I think uh, resonate with what you were saying, which is basically um, alignment and collaboration between brands and clubs. There needs to be much more of that, not just exposure, let's say, no? Absolutely. Um, and, and I guess we were speaking about before as well about, you know, the differences in, you know, the fans uh, from North America, Asia, international, the local fans. Does that also translate or how does that translate? Because I believe it does uh, to the commercial side. So how do you target sponsors or potential sponsors from North America to the ones that you may have in Asia? No, absolutely, yes. Um, fully agree on, on what you say from, from Jorge as well. Um, I've been lucky to wear with, with, with La Liga, spend a week now together with in, in Dubai and spoke a lot about the commercial developments of La Liga. And, and I think their vision is, I'm absolutely aligned with that. And then we were in Japan. So again, you know, being present in the markets that you focus. So, so it has been quite a, a few trips in the last weeks, but... Going back to your question, I think um, those things transfer when, when, when you do that, that strategy or that strategic approach towards your commercial uh, opportunities. You know, we have to put things in value. We are one of the top four most uh, viewed properties of, of La Liga or teams of La Liga in Japan and in Korea, for example. So we have an access to those markets that is unique and then many brands internationally want to leverage. We have uh, tools through, as we were mentioning before, communication opportunities with our match day programs and, and the way we interact with more than 35,000 viewers per match with many internationals on it. So we have access to those international markets and the way people that consume us and the people that are attached to the team and that is a great, great, great tool of leverage or, or a great opportunity for those international clients. I think Mallorca is also as a destination, and again, I'm I'm putting the importance of the destination as a value in commercial. Um, but I think Mallorca has that flair, you know, that it sounds high end, it sounds trendy, it sounds international, it sounds it sounds like the place you as a brand want to be. Um, so we need to make sure that we phrase that and we put that in, and that we translate that into value for a possible customer. And then, yes, we have, for example, in the U.S., obviously, through the Phoenix Suns, we have uh, some partnerships that we share. Um, so we have partners like Footprint involved in both teams. We have had different partnerships in, in the last years that we have shared and opportunities that we work on together. Because at the end, you're a brand and you're a global brand. And that gives you the opportunity that through one agreement, you might be present in two sports that are their reference in two continents in two areas. So taking you global, creating a, a, a very strong um, impact through a partnership alignment. So I think those opportunities are there for us. 
and 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 we try to work hard on them. And just a side question that I have on on uh, growing the brand internationally. In the particular case of Asia, no? in the past, you've had Asian players. So you had Kubo, you have Kang, who's doing a fantastic season this year, by the way. <laughs> um, do you need Asian players to grow the brand in Asia, for example? Or is that something that um, it, it helps, but it's not critical, let's say? That's a great question. Um, I think that depends very much on, on whom you're speaking to. I, I would say we're a great example of of, of it's not 100% requirement. We have extended our partnership with a Japanese partner without having a Japanese player in the squad. And that was because of the relation we have been able to build through the first year where we had a Japanese player in the squad. Now, would that partner have come if we wouldn't have that player in the beginning? Maybe not. So it is a valuable asset, but you cannot focus your commercial relationships or your revenues on single players or on a coach or you know on, on, on time uh, on, on, on small details, sorry, small details is probably not a great word, but on some aspects, you know, that, that have a, that can vanish. So what do you have to do? We were just after Dubai with, with La Liga. We went to, to Japan. We were in visiting our, our partner, Tiger Corporation, and, uh, we have created a strong synergy and, in and, in um, and then a collaboration agreement with, Shimizu Esports, which is a J-League football team. And obviously that relationship has come through Tiger Corporation, which is involved in both our properties. But we have found an option there and an opportunity especially to again merge into the Japanese market to work with the with football, to grow within new generations, to bring those Shimizu Esports fans closer to Mallorca, you know, to have more presence there throughout the year when we go there with our coaches, with our methodology, uh, guys with, you know, and vice versa, them coming here and having opportunities to, to learn and, and to see how we do things. So at the end, you know, those synergies generate that uh, trust and that relationship. So it's not only depending on one player. Now, obviously, that is a great asset to have. If you have a player from a market, you can really create new opportunities there. But again, you never know if a player is going to stay with you for five years, for 10, for one, or for six months. So making all your commercial decisions based on, on the squad wouldn't, wouldn't be my advice. Okay. Well, thank you. Because that's something, you know, that I've been wondering for, uh, you know, for, for some time now. And it's, it's a great uh, opportunity to have that coming from someone like you, no? So to be able to learn. One more detail that last year we were the number one most viewed club in Japan obviously had Takekubo with our squad, but we have remained as a top four um, ah. viewed team this season. And that is because we have been able to speak with our Japanese fans in a way that they still feel attached to the club. And that makes us proud. Well, congratulations on that because that's no easy feat. Um... The way I see it is when you look into other, you know, industries, for example, to me, I guess having an Asian player is like having, let's say, a door opener. <laughs> and then from there, you it's up to the club to really develop those relationships and that trust with the fan. But obviously you get that, that door open, but it's the long-term play is the business strategy behind it. So, so that's a great learning there. Um, so yeah, Felix, and, and, and I guess the question that comes up now to me is, um, how have you seen the evolution 
from a commercial perspective. So the how has the commercial strategy evolved? I don't know if you can highlight a few things that you've seen, hey, we've improved here uh, tremendously. Uh, I don't know if there's a few snippets that you Absolutely. can point out. So there has been an evolution when we speak about Mallorca. Um, first of all, the evolution within commercial uh, in sports, where you have now so many new tools, so many new ways, you know, to to present yourself, so to learn about brands, to get in touch with brands. So that's one thing, you know, the developments on on digital and, and, and on the sports industry side. Now, when we speak about our city, Mallorca, um, we have been, you know, last year it was our historical uh, best results and best scoring in, in commercial. So there has been a, a really hard work uh, behind it. Um, and I think that that evolution um, follows a strategy. We mentioned that before, you know, when, when we said it's not about you're in first division, second division, or it's not about you have a great day or a bad day. It's a strategy. And that strategy for us is very binded to what we're doing now with the stadium, refurbishing the stadium, adapting that to generate new opportunities to commercialize, to generate revenues. But also, and that is something that I think is extremely important for all sports organizations, or we try to make, to give it the importance that it has is, we are a football club that plays twice a month in the stadium, but we have a beautiful infrastructure. We have an incredible location within an island as Mallorca. Um, so the, met, the non-match day revenue potential is incredible. We focus a lot on the MICE industry, right? Meetings, incentives, conventions, and, and events. So we can do so much uh, with our infrastructures, with our teams, with our human uh, uh, teams uh, and, and that part I think requires strategy, requires planification and, and work because you are entering new new business opportunities that are not commonly set for a football team. Um, so I think the potential there is, is massive and, and we really are working very hard on that. We do more than 250 corporate events per year and now with the stadium refurbishment we're probably going to double or triple those the, the that amount because we are adapting the lounge that we're building that the accessibility to the stadium and everything around it to maximize the potential not only on match days not only within the football activity but as an organization with all our infrastructures and maximizing um every asset that, that we have it's a club that's definitely the next frontier uh, kind of you know uh, generating revenues every day rather than only match day and and I don't want to go into the rabbit hole of Web3 with, you know, the metaverse and all the possibilities that are there, because that's going to take us, you know, uh, you know, to, to another podcast. Anyway, um, Felix, I want to be respectful of your time. So I just want to ask you two last questions. Um, first off, um, what advice do you have for brands that may be looking to enter the football industry? Well, feel free to call anytime. Mayuka is always a phone open. No, jokes aside, um, I think <laughs> you have to have a purpose. You have to know what you expect from it. I think what I would say is that the sports industry is going to provide results for sure and great results because you have emotions, you have sense of uh, belonging, as we discussed before. You have um, affinity, brand affinity through the sports industry. So there is definitely an incredible potential by aligning with the sports industry, with football and as a brand. Now, what are you looking for? 
make sure you know what you're looking for. You mentioned that before, it's not about visibility. Visibility is important, but whom are you being visible with? Who's your surrounding? What can you do with that brand you're aligning or that team you're aligning to generate more sales for your company or you know, to make a better um, index within the fans and the people that are going to consume this sport? So make sure you, you know what you're targeting. And also, and that is something... Um, that we always try to, to 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 speak a lot when we when we generate um, commercial opportunities with is one thing is partnering with the team, but that's like when you seed a plant, you, know, you need to water that. You need to you know it's not about I made a deal, I expect everything to come by itself. No, you need to activate. So we love brands that challenge us on activation. We love brands that, you know, are there on a day-to-day basis because those are the ones that makes the most out of it. And those are the ones that never leave because activation is as important as, as visibility. Totally. I mean, at the end of the day, also what you were speaking about before, no, the concept of relevance or intent, you know, how, yeah, exposure is nice. But at the end of the day, if you can get more intent fans, sponsors, whatever, that's going to drive probably more sales, no? Last question, Felix, uh, you've been there for some time now, so I don't know if there's any project moment that you are most proud of that you want to share with the audience. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, I don't know. I think we, we, we close or we finalize the stadium naming rights deal that, that gives back to the destination. Uh, that, that we are working together with Mallorca as a destination, and that makes me very proud of because we have we have worked a lot on that. But that and probably the stadium refurbishment project, I think that is something that we have been able, you know, to be so quick. Uh, La Liga has given us the great opportunity with La Liga Impulso to boost our project, but we are implementing, and I think we have been really spending hours and hours in 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 thinking about every detail of, of, of that process and I'm extremely satisfied and extremely proud of, of the result of the project we've been able to to generate and, and, and we look forward to having that finalized by January 2024 so that's really very quick and, and it's such a big project behind it so those two things are probably you know getting so involved with the destination being part of it and and being their main asset towards promoting sport values, towards promoting what Mallorca stands for. And that on one hand and on the other, the moment, the historical moment that we are really changing and refurbishing complete, completely this stadium. And and I think we have, we have really created a great, great uh, project. I think you're going to have to come back to the podcast uh, soon to tell us how that's being evolved. Uh, meanwhile, though, uh, I don't know if just to finish, if you want to send or you want, where can, you know, the audience learn more about either you, about Mallorca, about, you know, I don't know if you want to send them to some to some web page or something that they can check out more info. Well, I, I hope to see them in Mallorca. I think Mallorca is a destination everyone wants to travel at too. And so we are absolutely happy to get in touch and, 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 and to come visit, but obviously through our communication channels, I think whenever you enter our city Mallorca environment and through our communication channels, you already perceive that they, these guys do something yeah. young, fresh, and quite unique. Um, so absolutely 
looking forward to to welcoming more more people in in our environment and and growing the Mallorca community. Definitely. I mean, if anybody out there does not follow Mallorca and they want to learn about, you know, a good social and marketing strategy, uh, that's a great case to learn from. So anyway, Felix, thank you so much for this masterclass. Uh, I've learned so much. I'm sure the audience is going to learn so much as well. And again, as I said, it would be great to have you back in the future. Um, so thank you. Really appreciate it, Jaime. It was a big, big pleasure. So looking forward to that. Thank you. Bye. And there you have him, Felix Torralba, Chief Revenue Officer at RCD Mallorca, with a true masterclass on how to drive growth for a top-tier football club. What were the key takeaways for me? First, the pillars of a great fan experience are purpose, be immersive, so how can you involve the fan in that experience? Third, how can you bring value to them? For this, you will need to identify different segments, which at the end of the day depends on having a great data practice. So you can actually create those segments and then tailor the different packages to those fans. Second, the framework that combines what the fan actually wants with what the club assets are and the environment you play in. So for example, in the case of Mallorca, they have a great tourist destination, which is why they ended up creating that fantastic hospitality package. Third, when you look into commercial opportunities, uh, you have to understand, as a football club, what is the value that you bring to the table? Second, how can you align your values to that of those brands that want to enter or partner with you? Third, again, how does that environment that we were speaking before add value to your proposition? Finally, if you're a football club, you have to think about opportunities beyond the game itself. So, for example... Can you use your stadium for other activities other than the game itself? Again, this is what will drive revenue in the long run. Let me know your opinion on either the episode or the podcast in general or both. Reach out on social media and give us some feedback. Before I let you go, if you do like the episode or the podcast, I would really appreciate if you could rate it and share it with other friends and colleagues of the industry. It will help us reach more people who can maybe benefit from some of the learnings that were shared. Nothing else from my side. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the World Football Summit Podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope to see you next time.